You're listening to the Gen Zen Broadcasting System. You're listening to 40 Something Podcast, Valley in the Vig. Now, here are your hosts, Silicon Steve Valley and the Vig. 40 Something Podcast with Valley and the Vig. This is Silicon Steve Alley on the other side with the Vig and Vig? We're going to continue our conversation with Kyle Capone. So let's go right back in with part two of Ebony and Ivory with Kyle Capone. So, what do you say when people say that the black community and if they, you know, black people exacerbate the situation by saying the N bomb to each other, for example. And there's a couple other things that I would ask. Like, so I'm a white guy. Well, they're so pissed off if we, which is very ridiculous, by the way, that a white person would complain that they can't say the N word, but I digress. But well, how come it's cool for them to say it, but no one else can say it? That's bullshit. (laughs) That white guy right there. Because they always ask that. For, For those of you who know, you know, you white motherfuckers out there. I've heard you. I've heard a lot of contractors in my day say, well, they could call each other that, but we we can't say one thing. What the fuck? A lot of times I just say, now you know how it feels to be black. Now you know how it feels to, to just be limited on what you can do and what you can say just because of the color of your skin. But I, it's, it's just the simple fact that as a white person, you know that your ancestors used that word strictly to degrade us. You know, there's no way to spin that for you. We found a way to spin it for us. Not saying it's right that we call each other that, you know, but we do. And we, but it's a term of endearment for us. And that's how we spun it. I don't know when that became the thing, but that's just how we, we, we spun it. There's no way for a white person to spin it like that. There's no way for you to turn it to a word, to a term of endearment to me. You know what I mean? If it's like, if you slip up, my reaction may just be to smack you, and I'm like, oh, damn, my bad, bro. Like, I ain't, I, it's just the reaction, you know? Because, because it instantly, it's, it's an instant dagger when it comes out your mouth to me. You know what I mean? It's an instant dagger. And you may not, you may not mean it. Like, like you say, you may not mean it. And you may feel like, bro, we homies. Like it's it just, you know, but for me, it just came at me like a dagger. And it's just like, unfortunately, I'm sorry. You just can't say that. You know, it's only one word, like it's a million other words in the world. It's only one that you can't say, you know, <laughs> you can't pick another one, you know, <laughs> right. You can't pick another word. Like you just can't use that one. So. Oh, I love the, that white complaint. I can't say the N word. I mean, it, that's not the complaint. It's like they complain about people saying it and they say each other. Now, my now to take that a step further is: is there a way that the black community needs to evolve a little bit in terms of how they treat each other and how, particularly on black on black crime? Like, when is that? That's another thing a white not a, real, say. not a real thing. It's not a real thing. It's not a real thing. Black on black crime is is a narrative put out there to make you feel like it's a thing, and black people commit more crimes than anybody else. It's not a real thing. Eighty five percent of black people kill black people. 
Asians, 85% of white people kill white people. 85% of Asians kill Asians. These are facts. You know, so it's like crime happens based on demographic. How do you stop it? You you divide the wealth to where black people can spread the fuck out. To where black people can be amongst other people other than themselves and we not just getting mad at each other. Because if you 3,000 miles away or you across the, the city, wow, well, like, I'm not mad at you for no reason whatsoever, but if you next door and we get into it, I'm, you're my demographic. I'm mad at you when I kill you. It's because, it's not because you black. It's because, shit, you the motherfucker I was mad at. You right next door. Exactly. It's not because they're black. Oh, <laughs> man, I hate that motherfucker. He's black. He's biting off me. <laughs> shoot. It's not because it's, you're black. It's so it's just like, for me, the way that, like, for one, like I said, black on black crime is not a real thing. It's just a false narrative. But you want to, you want to stop it or you want to change how crime happens and who kills who and how the demographics are, you give people the opportunity to live from underneath each other. Yeah, exactly. And that's when we talk about, Vig, you can kind of grin with this after, you know, the minimum wage argument. I don't know how you feel about this, Kyle. Vig, what what are you feeling? The minimum wage, if the minimum wage goes up, and these people are so against the minimum wage and the government telling people they have to pay more money to people. But at the same time, they're, they're also the first ones bitching about how those people who can't get a job downtown need welfare. It's like, so Vic, what is Yeah. Oh, I mean, un- understandably, uh, I feel like that this is well, now part of this whole woke thing. And like, this is now becoming a part of the, that's coming to the surface. Uh, to be something that uh, is really important, and honestly, it's, it's part of that thing where it's, it keeps keeps us divided. You know, like having a minimum having a minimum wage that's outdated with what's going on, the cost of living is, is just another way of keeping us divided. You know, and especially that's going to especially affect minorities. It's going to uh, especially affect people of color. And I, honestly, I don't think fifty. You no, know, now I'm thinking about it because at first I was like, okay, well, you know, now things are going to get like complete crazy inflation, you know, and now I'm like, well, $15 isn't that, it really isn't even that good. It's just good to be minimum wage, but honestly, that's still not even a living wage. So why, why don't we even just get there already? Get the $15. But that was right. knocked off the bill, even though there was, and you know, I, I heard this was, this was being talked about um, in, in some, some different sections of, uh, you know, public radio and just being on is that with everything that was passed through that COVID relief bill, all this money was handed out to the tons, but then the minimum wage, boom, they just folded right on that just to get the rest of this. So then like, it's just part of this whole like unequal. Cause honestly, you could throw checks at people that are making over 70,000 or like 60,000, like that, or they have like three kids and like all of a sudden they got like four or five thousands, but then there's still people that are still homeless because in all honesty, a minimum wage would have been one thing that would have really helped the people that needed to be helped for the COVID relief bill. Like, I really feel that if they just would have put that in there, that would have helped putting any of these stimulus checks or help, you know, I just, that's just. I, know, I, I, I agree. Minimum wage definitely needs to be raised. I understand why it wasn't put into that bill. Why it was so easy for them to accept not, well, accept taking that out. 
because you got to understand the bill. You're talking about a, a large sum of money, whatever billion dollars is. We're talking about one large sum of money to put something in like that. That's a forever thing. You know, you can't take and say a hundred million dollars will cover that. So that's not something that you can put into a bill like that. Now it needs to be done, but I kind of understand why it wasn't put into that bill because we're just taking one large sum of money. Like I just like if I if I say I'm gonna pay you a hundred thousand dollars a year, if I only have five hundred thousand dollars, I only can pay you for five years. You know I can't tell you it's a lifetime deal. It's a lifetime deal. Knowing I only have five hundred thousand dollars in the bank, so. That I kind of understand now. Do they need to do it? Yeah, like seven dollars. Like, who can live for? Like, <laughs> what can you do with that? Like, fifteen dollars isn't a livable wage, but it's a it's a it's better than yeah. seven dollars. Yeah, seven twenty five, something like that. I, like, who, would work, who would work for that though? Like, sure. who? Like, I don't know. But yeah, definitely got to raise that minimum wage. So last year, let's talk about let's get into George Floyd a little bit. What went down last year? How, in comparison, and you saw the Rodney King riots. We actually were hanging out together right around that time, as a matter of fact. Maybe a little, maybe a little earlier. Um, it was hectic around that time. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? And what's funny is, and I want to harken back to that Confederate flag thing. So we're going to go back real quick. Um, I was kind of cool and proud of myself because I, I've always been inquisitive about trying to, I never understood why you wouldn't like someone just by the, the color of the skin. It never made, made any sense to me. So I don't know if you remember, and I don't know if you were in that room, but it was in uh, Mr. Barker's old room and me and my friend walked and we were the only two white people who went go to this meeting. And, and actually, instead of going to George Floyd's talk about the education, because I remember when someone said that my friend said something negative about Malcolm X, about how he wasn't a really great guy. And this is when the Malcolm X movie just came out. And by the way, Malcolm X was not in any of our history books. There's a reason for that. If you listen to what the guy said, right. And it wasn't just black stuff. It was more, the guy was talking deeper than that yeah. folks. Yeah. And you gotta understand. And it's one thing people hate, like, especially on Facebook when I, when I say it around, but, I'm team Malcolm X. Like I've, if I was in that town, I would said fuck Martin Luther King. Like you fucked us, and didn't even know it. And I just feel like if we, if if as a people we followed Malcolm X, we'd be in a much better position. But he was a, a segregationist better. for most of his career until toward the end, wasn't he? Unless I'm wrong about that. It, it it wasn't so much as it wasn't so much a segregationist. It's we need as the people instead of begging to sit at your table, build your own table first. Therefore, they want to sit at your table just like you want to sit at theirs, and stop trying to like build your own community first. Worry about that. Don't worry about if you can go to these restaurants. Where about having a restaurant they want to come to, you know, and then we can sit at the table when we have our own, when they give us our own, when they give us that, that space and that opportunity to do it for ourselves first. 
And I think that's what when it went in when you follow Malcolm, I mean uh, Martin, it went to please let us have a seat at your table. You know what I mean? Like we stopped fighting for our own table. It was like we just want to sit at yours. Like allow us to come. We wouldn't be able to go to your restaurants. Even though we got a restaurant down the street, the fact that we can't come in yours bothers us. And we want to be able to come in yours. But Malcolm was like, that shit shouldn't bother you. Make them want to come to your restaurant and tell them they can't. Just like they, you know, so I don't think it was about segregation. I think it was about building ourselves so that we are seen as equal, so that they want to, they want to accept us, not feel like, okay, we'll accept you, but you're still ain't shit. Because what is your? You what is, how do you feel about James Baldwin? Who? Really? Are you serious? Damn, man! James Baldwin was a was a distant third in the civil rights activist situation back in the sixties. He was a gay man, famous author, playwright. Well, he wasn't out gay, but he was gay. But he was major, and I'm surprised you don't know. Oh, about I know. I, I do, I do, but you gotta understand it's, it was a long night, so I'm still. Oh no, you're good, you're good, you're good. Well, so I'm a strong opinion of him. I, there was a fascinating debate I listened to a few months ago between he and Malcolm, and I kind of on team. I not that I. Should oh, have I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. I love his, I love his fucking interviews. Like, yeah, I do know. Oh, what you're brilliant, about. dude, brilliant. <laughs> He talks like a, he talks like Rock Hudson. I don't understand why you don't understand. The people don't want to give me what I need at the time. Yeah, yeah. And you don't understand that why right. I would feel threatened. I could walk down the street. You know what I mean? He was just he was so articulate. Right. He spoke better, quote unquote, which is bullshit. I'm gonna say this, but spoke be, spoke better white. You know how people think it's so fucking stupid. But he spoke so articulate. And so brilliant. I would just listen to him fucking talk all day, dude. I'd love to hear him talk. And and also with Al Malcolm, too. You're talking about two staunchly different ideas and roads how to get to where we're going. And that's the real cool. Right. right. I don't know. I'm just – I, I got more in him. Check it out. Oh, sorry. If you get a chance, Kyle, check out – uh, I am not your Negro. It's on Hulu, and it's a. You'll really learn more about him. They don't bring his sexuality in at all. They never even acknowledge that he was officially gay. They kind of talked about. Oh, no, I, I definitely like. It, it definitely know who he is. I like. I seen an interview with him and uh, a young lady where they were talking about roles and yeah. uh, all different types of stuff. See, I love his interviews though. Yeah, because, cool. and I think it's because he he thinks he's able to have a opinion from both sides like that's me like i feel like i can debate both sides and because i can debate both sides i learn to understand all sides and then form an opinion on how to either you know move about or things like that and listening to his interviews and things like that like he's that type of thinking that's why i know people like that's why it's great yeah sorry sorry Vic. i thought you were gonna go my bad brother well, you have a situation with Malcolm X, and I think that it it just is really telling. And you don't, we didn't hear anything about James Baldwin in history class either, you know. But we heard about, about nobody. No, but well, we heard about you know a bunch of Stonewall Jackson, a bunch, and Robert E. Lee, yeah. one of the greatest generals ever. We hear about those dudes, huh? Ulysses Grant, 
and all those guys. But yeah, you, you, I mean, black history, black history in the year in in school was like what two, three days. <laughs> it was George Washington Carver, Malcolm. It was George Washington Carver, Martin Luther King, and Good Marshall, and that was it. Uh, and Rosa Parks. And Rosa Parks. Yeah, and Harriet Tubman, Harriet Tubman, yeah. like, and, that, and that's it. Like, and that's it. And you had to write a paper. Like, you probably wrote a paper on one of them five from the time you was in the second grade. Like, <laughs> so, but you had to, you had to look, and it's it's to that now. Like, it's worse now because shit. You really got to go look. They're not teaching you none of that shit. You got to go look, and you have to do your own research. Like I didn't know anything in school about Lewis the Lewis Latimers. I didn't know Rosa Parks wasn't the first person to fucking not sit down on the bus. You know, what I mean, you had to go really look for things like that to understand. And that, and being able to do that and doing that made me realize it's certain. It's an agenda why only certain things are told to you. You know, and that's a consistent agenda on why only certain things are told to you and taught to you as a child. That's, yeah, it's been, that's a big point of it. So, but yeah, let's go back into George Floyd. I just wanted to kind of talk about some of, you know, your team Malcolm, which I can totally dig on. And I, if I was a black man back in the sixties, I probably would be too. Cause empowering motherfucker, dude, say what you want. Yeah. Empowering. Yeah. You know, um, I would have liked him to be if I as a white man, I would have liked him to be a little bit more complimentary to the white, the white devil. But, you know, whatever. No, <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. He might have got there. He might have got there. He was he, he was getting there, actually. He was getting there. He was. He was. And that might have been what made it even made him even more of a threat, because then a lot of the people that. We're supporting him, you know. What, what do you, let's go into Malcolm a little bit, and then we'll go into George Floyd. Because I, uh, you probably know a lot more about Malcolm than I do. I, I've done some as much research as I can, not as much as I can, as much as I felt like doing. I guess. Um, Malcolm's last couple of years, he really turned a corner. What was the, what was the most inspiring thing about, if that was the most inspiring thing about him, about his change after Mecca and the last couple of years, and why do you think he was killed on the real? Because he 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 was getting too powerful, period. Like Martin was simply killed because he was getting too powerful. Martin was killed because they was done with him. You know, Malcolm was simply getting too powerful. Because if you get the following and you got so many black people that's willing to ride or die for you, and now you come to the understanding that we can work with white people because we all the same people. You come to that understanding that we all the same people. So now it's like, okay, let's not fight all the time. Let's still do what we're doing, but we can work with individuals that's willing to work with us. We can work with white people that's willing to work with us. So now you get white people that start saying, okay, we're willing to work with you. If you're willing to work with us. Now you now you really become too powerful. And you got to get rid of you. You got to go. Yeah. Like that's not that's not part of the agenda. That's not part of the agenda that we're looking for. And you you can potentially change the agenda of what America is standing on. And that's 
that's what he potentially could have did was change the agenda because you change black wealth, you change black knowledge, black thinking, and you have white people that support it and you have black people that's willing to work together with white people that's willing to, like, you have that lower entity that's willing to work together as one. And that's like, like, just like I said now, you have to keep that entity divided. You have to keep that divided in order to keep the top where it's at. There'll never be another mouth. Never be another person that can pull us together. They won't allow it. Uh, I have it the rock. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the rock might be coming in, man. He's the ne- he's going to be president. Is that fucked up or not? <laughs> The Rock. <laughs> He's going to be the president of the United States. 100%. <laughs> Is he going to do the eyebrow? That should be his campaign. All right. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, he has a TV show out right now, apparently, where it's him when he's running for president in 2032 and he's doing a full-blown expose interview. And, you know, I think, and he has already said, well, I have to get more experience with foreign stuff. Well, you got to pay attention to TVs and movies. So that's, that's something you got to pay attention to. There was definitely a guy back in the 50s saying that Ronald Reagan was going to be president. So that's like, uh, what's the, I don't know. I can't think of the name of the movie, but it's a movie with Chris Rock where he becomes president. Um, Is it the man? If, if, huh? Now isn't the man. No, it's like it's like president of the state, something. But if Google it if you get a chance. Yeah, Bernie when Mac Chris was in Rock it. President. Yeah, Bernie Mac was in it. I, I always I look at that movie and then I think about the Obama administration. Yeah. And that movie that movie told the whole Obama administration, their whole presidency. Head of state. To me. To me. Head of state. Right. Because you think about they put this black guy in office, hoping that he failed. His main drive was medical. He didn't fail. He got reelected, and he pushed medical, pushed medical, and he got medical done. Like I just when when Obama became president, that's the only thing that came to my mind was that fucking movie. And I'm like, you gotta pay attention to everything around you sometimes. And you know what's funny, Rock, and he has a famous one. I think it was bigger and blacker. It might have been Bring the Pain, but I think it was bigger and bigger and blacker. He said, you're never going to see a black president. Never, never, never. And then he was in a movie about it, and it was kind of cool to see him kind of eat his words. I was a big Obama fan back in 2007 and 2004 even. So I was on board with him right away. And then eh, he had to play. He had to get dirty when he was president. Unfortunately, he made a lot of decisions that I wasn't a fan of. But in terms of foreign policy, yeah. and foreign policy, yeah, so. I, I was a fan of his first presidency, and I think I just voted for him because he was black. I was, I was, a, I was one of those people at that point. Like honestly, I was one of those people. And then it was just like when he got in there, I was like, "What the fuck? Like, I'm not voting for you no fucking more." You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, he let us down that first term, man. It was like, fuck. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> but I was definitely one of those people. I can't lie. I just, he's black. I just wrote a phone. <laughs> I love it. That's why we wanted you on, man. You're fucking as real as the day is long. And that was the whole point of this. So let's get into George Floyd and what everything's been going on in the last year. 
what, if anything, did George Floyd's death change in this country? Nothing. Okay. You don't think... Nothing. See, I was optimistic thinking that I think there was a shift in a lot of white people's perspectives on what racism is. I don't know about racism. I think it shifted a lot of people's perspective on police brutality. Okay. How how aggressive and how brutal our police force in this country is. I don't think it really did too much for racism. Uh, But I think it did open a lot of people's eyes to police brutality. But I don't think it changed anything. Like, so well, none of these, I don't think any of these deaths will. What do you think does change it? Just an acknowledgement of, of that that it exists, which I think is part of the is part of what happened. So I would argue that, and maybe I'm more optimistic than you. Um, you know, being in, in, in on the west end of Allentown as a white man, because I should I should tell you how you should you should feel as a black guy. <laughs> maybe you should feel this way as a black man, um, but. I'm optimistic because I saw a lot of white people who didn't get Black Lives Matter in terms of the, the slogan, not the not the organization. We'll get into that shortly. I feel like that a lot of white people started getting it. And these are people that didn't get it for decades and they're starting to get it. And I think that, again, if you get if you get the middle of the road white guy on your side, I think this really help, that'll help the situation because that's a big part of America. If they can be educated more and understand things more, I think genuinely people are good and they'll figure it out. I kind of, I, I 100% agree with that because I feel like social media has penetrated a lot of bubbles. A lot of people were living in bubbles. And they didn't believe certain things were going on. They didn't, you know, no, that's not really happening. You know, that only happens once in a while. And, you know, it's, it's rare. And now they, they see it. And it's like, you have to face that reality. Like, yo, this shit is really happening. Like, it really goes on. But I don't think it changes anything. Because it's been happening. Like, it's been going on. Only thing different now is that the media puts it all over TV and they put it all over social media. But it's been going on. And as long as we we don't hold police accountable, and I'm not talking about just locking them up. I'm talking about like a complete system change. Nothing will change. Like because that goes back to the saying when people say you only became a cop because you was a punk in high school and people used to beat you up. You know, a lot of people only become cops so they can exhort some type of power. You know, and it's just like that has like until that changes, that system itself, it changes. Like, ain't nothing going to change. Still going to have a bunch of racist cops, gangbanging cops, black cops just as bad as white cops, you know, because it's power. They're above the law. Power corrupts. Police, police, police has become militarized. So they, the the army, the the United States military, the army specifically has sold police forces across the country. These smaller towns, or even you know, say New York or Newark or wherever. These like 
type uh, vehicles now yeah. that the police have. Yeah, they're and then they're handling they're, the way they like do the physical, like they handle, like that's all become like, you know, you look at a lot of these, the things that happened, especially what happened in Philadelphia where the guy was having a bipolar, but they just weren't trained to like be able to handle somebody that was having a mental breakdown as being bipolar. So and he had a knife in his hand and he, so they just shot him. But, a, but a, a, a cop that would actually trained that to be able to handle that situation, they would have not just shot him. Like right. that's the thing. We, 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 in a lot of these 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 situations, they just shoot. That's like they like pow, 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 pow. everything's like so quick, you know. And and, and with, in the case of George Floyd, I mean, although it, it, you know he he did die of cardiac arrest, and people do think that you know like he died because of it, when he put the foot on his, he didn't die of that. He died of right. cardiac arrest, but the foot in the back. That's just not like a like way of being of, of of treating somebody that you're you're policing like i i don't understand like in the middle of, like on a i don't know i, I just uh it's because you can't and i'll tell you a story it, it's like i said it's because you can't i have a very disdain for the police i respect them i know i have a lot of family that are police officers but i am very fuck the police like i've been that way since i was a kid yeah, he has. With the police, I was six years old. I remember shit clear. I remember shit clear that I was six years old, and this is why I've always been fucked the police. I was throwing snowballs. I was living in Hillside, New Jersey. Yeah. I was throwing snowballs, and I was just, you know, it was it was one of those times where it had snow, but it was still grass because you know it had started to melt. But we got all the snow from plow trucks and all that. So I'm throwing snowballs at the buses that come by. I'm just throwing at the side of the bus. I missed the bus and I hit a police car. Oh. A police, the police turn around so fast. Now, mind you, I'm six years old. I'm in my front yard. I'm being a kid. White, two white officers, one lady, blonde hair, with a ponytail. Like I said, I remember this shit clear as that. Shit is a stain in my brain. And another... Uh, white officer. This lady throws me to the ground and put her knee and puts her knee in my back. And and what what are your what does your black ass think you're doing throwing snowballs at our car? I take you to jail right now. I'm six years old. I'm crying. I'm begging. Please just get off me. And it's like as I've grown older. And had more and more interactions with the police. You realize, yes, it's it's a lot of a lot of times it's, it's racism, but it's strictly power. It's strictly the fact that I can do whatever I want to you, and you are powerless, and you can do nothing. And I think by when people say defund the police, I don't think they mean like oh just shut the police down. Like, just kill the police. Like, no more police. It's about demilitarizing the police to where you take some of that power to where you you see that, no, you're not above the law. You don't have the tools to, to just run amok. You know, you don't have the backing to just do whatever you want to do. And that's where a lot of police are. Like, they can do whatever the fuck they want to do. Have these police, they kill somebody, 
They get off. How the fuck does a police officer make a million dollar bail? Because people support them doing what they do. How the fuck do they afford these lawyers off a of police's salary? Because people support what they're doing. You know, and like I said, with the penetration in the bubble, yes, you have some people that are like, oh, my God, this is going on. But you have other people that seeing this like, oh, wow, they're really doing this? This is great. And they funnel money into that. And it's like, that's why I just don't feel like it'll change until the whole system is completely changed. Because that's the way they want it. That's why they give them all those weapons. That's why they give them those tanks. That's what they want it. We supposed to fear the police. Not just being like black, it's just double fear. Like, you got to really be feared. Yeah. But as a regular person, like, yeah, you got to fear the police. It's just like you ain't got to have, like, being white, I feel like you don't have to, when you see them, you don't have to tense up as much. You know, you don't have to look in the mirror as much. But when you have an interaction with them, like, yeah, you're just a subject to getting your ass beat or getting killed just like I am. They're just not as scared of you for some reason. I don't know why. Like, you know, y'all crazier than us. Like, I don't even understand that. <laughs> we'll just go to a, we'll just go into a school and start shooting motherfuckers. Ah, fuck it. We're lucky like, we didn't have it when we were growing up, man. I, my ass was going to be shot first. I was obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, oh man, I was hell. Oh, uh, we were fun, man. Do you remember the one time we almost ran out of gas? From, we almost ran out of gas coming back from Newark. Get oh me. yeah, going to get some weed. Go to some weed. Oh my God! I will say it's funny, man. So yeah, I just wanted to touch on the George Floyd stuff. And what do you what do you think about the the violence during the protest? Because I argued this, not that I agreed with it. But I argued that it wasn't until Minnesota was getting burnt to the ground that that motherfucker, that that officer was arrested. So it did something. So what right. do you think about the violence? I don't. I don't want to say I agree with it, but I don't. I don't disagree with it. If you understand what I'm saying, like I just think the younger generation and part of our generation is just like. What else? What else is there to do? We've we've marched. Our grandparents marched. Our parents marched. We've tried to keep people. At this point, we got to start breeding violence with violence. Right? We got we got to start, you know, showing you like, yo, we're burning this motherfucker down. We'll fuck this shit up. You know, if y'all don't get right. My only disagreement with that is, I feel like stop marching in your own fucking neighborhoods. Stop burning like, your neighborhood down. Stop, yeah, stop stop marching downtown, whatever city you're fucking in, around like go go to fucking uh one of these major where these politicians live. Go to where these people live. March and cause a ruckus where they live. Make their neighbors uncomfortable. I guarantee you things will get done. If you're gonna burn some shit down. I guarantee they're going to get you the fuck out of their neighborhoods. They're going to find a way to get you the fuck from over there. If you keep doing it in our neighborhoods and downtown while everything's closed and everyone's at home just watching you on TV, 
Like, they just watch you on TV. They get tired of looking and change the channel. You can't change the channel if we on your front lawn. Yeah. That's great. You know? And I, I just feel like, yo, we got to, we got, if we are going to march and we're going to keep that tradition alive, which is fucking asinine, but if we are going to keep the tradition alive, like, do it to where it can be productive. Like, don't allow the city to tell you where you can march. We're going to give you a marching route. You can march this way. Like, no, fuck that. That's not how a fucking march, a protest go. You don't tell us what to do. We protesting. Like, <laughs> you don't tell us which way to go. <laughs> but <laughs> that's why I just feel like it's all just propaganda. A lot of it is just propaganda. A lot of it is just bullshit. And it's just because it's getting nothing done. It's just it's repetitive. Big news, though, and things get things get misconstrued. Things are not like taken, you know. And then, you know, it's like I, like you were saying, like with the with the when they have like the bullhorn and then are shouting out, like telling you know, like that's the thing. I remember remember seeing that with some of the protests that are going on. I'm just like, whoa, that just seemed a little weird. Or it's like, you know, telling people they gotta do this. It's like. Everybody's trying to get on TV. Everybody's trying to get the, the one nice picture of the protest to put on the news or to put... Like, that's like, what the fuck? Like, that shit is counterproductive. You are not doing anything. <laughs> and it's just... <laughs> I don't get it, but like I say, it's it's a tradition. Well, it's so become to... <laughs> black tradition. So, so to be clear, so you, do you believe, and I don't want to, certainly not advocating violence, I get that, but do you believe that for real change to happen, there needs to be a lot more violence in this country? Not a lot more. I think, I think it will be. I, I think it, I think it will be. I don't, I would hope that it doesn't have to be, but I, I truly believe that it will be. I think so. Too. You know, because there's, there's nothing being done. And it's just the, the, the continuously things are continuously happening over and over again. And they're putting it in your face. They're desensitizing you to death. They're desensitizing you to people being killed, you know, to murder. You know what I mean? They're making it so it becomes an everyday norm. So all that does is, is breed violence. So it's just like, Unless they start, honestly, unless they start giving out some money and not like, not no fucking stimulus package because this shit wasn't to help nobody. This shit was for people to go spend it again. That's all. This was for it to quickly leave your hands as quick as it came in. That's and what they is. did this fall. You know what I mean? And we're going to be taxed and we are going to be taxed on the back end of this shit too. It ain't like, yeah, we, it's, like it's free money. This was for big business. This was to keep the infrastructure for big business. This money is leaving your hands as soon as you touch it. Whether it go to bills or go to you spending it, it's leaving your hands as soon as you touch it. I spent fourteen hundred dollars on marijuana. Fourteen hundred dollars on marijuana last week. So there's all of it on marijuana. Hopefully, hopefully you got some good. Oh man, dispensary baby, all right. good. It is all good. All of it. All of it was spent on either marijuana or cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrencies or marijuana. That's what I spend my money on these days. Oh my gosh! It has been a blast. Uh, we're getting starting to get wrapped up. Kyle Capone with us. Thank you so much, Kyle. Man, it's been great talking to you about oh, this kind of stuff. stuff. Um, uh, you know, we can get you know one soon someday soon. We'll catch up. Maybe even a day afterward, we'll catch up a little bit. But uh, 
Where do you think we're going? I mean, we talked a little bit just now about it. Where do you think, first of all, what is some of the teachings you're giving your children growing up as black kids in the, in, in this country right now, especially in Texas? So just worry about yourself. You know, worry, worry about doing what you need to do for you and understand that you're going to have obstacles, you're going to have hurdles. It's going to be a little bit harder. But as long as you stay focused on you and not letting nobody tell you what you're supposed to think, how you're supposed to feel, and you move according to how you move, then you'll be all right. Like, it's, it's, to me, it's just always you have to be your own happiness. Everything has to trickle down from that. Whatever it takes to make you happy will trickle down to the people around you. So you got to focus on being the best man and my daughter, the best woman that you can be for you. And then it'll transform into the people around you being the people that you need around you. Right. Because there's going to be a lot of snakes. You're going to run into a lot of snakes. You're going to run into a lot of fake friends. But you can't let that define you. Like Just because you may do something to me don't mean that I have to do it to the next person or I got to do it back to you. Like, just be your, be your own person and don't let nobody tell you no different. And they've been doing pretty good with it so far. Like, I ain't been having no problems. Thank God. So we actually touched on some of all this through the, through the entire podcast, and that was just that this past summer with what was going on with the Black Lives Movement. There was a, a lot of these protests going on along the country, but yet, enough you afforded the some of the highest crime rates that involved people of color and like, you know, so there was this movement going on to like better that, but then you know, there was tons of shootings going on and the murder rate was going through the roof. I know we were talking about like how like, there's really no such thing as black on black crime. It's really a media frame. It's, 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 it's a frame in the media to be like, look, this is how this stuff is. But how do you feel that that was as far as you had these two things, these two kind of phenomenons going on, the Black Lives Matter, and then there was just like the, the rising crime rates in, in, in our cities growing up this past summer? Uh, I think like Black Lives Matter is like, to me, I support this. I support Black Lives Matter because that is a true fact. I don't support the organization. Because to me, they're like the new Al Sharpton of the black community. Whereas whenever the cameras are rolling, Black Lives Matter is out there. You know, and it's just like you got a group of people who took a, a fact, Black Lives Matter, and you're just running with it. You're making all this money. And you're only there, like, I don't want to say you're only there when it, when it's when the cameras are rolling but i understand that the the main thing for them is the police brutality and point not not paying attention to things that go on in the hood and things like that but more paying attention to the killings of unarmed black people by police and by white people whatever but what are you really doing besides organizing these marches and that's it y'all getting all this money all this money coming from everywhere like black lives matter hasn't built one school 
Black Lives Matter hasn't built one community center. Black Lives Matter doesn't necessarily support and funnel money to the politicians that are strictly about black change. And that's what I feel like if we have a black organization, that organization should funnel that money. If you're not going to build things within the community and doing things like that, you push that money that you're making into politicians and into policies that benefit black people. Whereas though that's not what they do. You know, they, they funnel a lot of money to the L, the alphabet people. I don't know how to put the letters together. But, oh. you know, <laughs> so they, they funnel a lot of money to them. They funnel a lot of money to these different politicians who don't give a fuck about, you know, the real issues in, in the black community. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I can't get behind that. You know, I can't get behind that strictly because you're use, using this fucking slogan. Like, to me, you just, you, 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 you found a good way to make a buck. You know, and it's just like, you find out where the money's coming from, who these head of these people are, what their main views are, what their slogan is. Like, if you go to their fucking website and read their agenda and what their slogan, their, their agenda literally, for me, as a straight black man, is offensive as fuck. Regardless of what the fuck you stand for, you claim you stand for, your agenda puts me in a fucked up position. So it's like, it's just a group, it's an organization that took a fact that Black Lives Matter, and when it's time, they come out, but they're not really, you know, 100% about reforming and rebuilding the black community. So I just, you know, I go to the marches and stuff, but it's just like, they can't get none of my money. Like, I won't donate a goddamn thing to you. Like, <laughs> I won't put your hashtag. I won't do any of that. But I'll be out there. Yeah, it's so. kind of like an ally in arms more than, a, than someone you're going to fight with. You'll fight with them, but you ain't going to roll with them kind of deal. I fight with them depending on what you're fighting for. Yeah, you know, depending on what you're fighting for. Yeah. So, That's I don't it. really rock with the Black Lives Matter thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of black people, if they knew and if they really did the research on the people, on on the money, followed the money, and they really, you know, looked more into it instead of just the face value. And that's the, you know, that's the trick is just make people look at the face value. If people really, a lot of people will feel the same way. A lot of people will be like, uh, I don't know about them, but we can't be like, we can't support it. Like, your slogan is Black Lives Matter. We, how can you not support that? Yeah. <laughs> Checkmate. Good job. You got us. <laughs> you know? that, that also turns into some of the other stuff with, the, with white people, too. So if you're a white guy and you don't support Black Lives Matter, it's like, oh, you're a racist. Yes. Right. No, it's the same vibe. That all lives, all lives matter shit is stupid, though. <laughs> uh, you know what? I will say that, and this is the thing, and this is where I think there has been, and we talked earlier, there has been an evolution in white consciousness of how our country really is, is that I was one of those people several years ago when it first started dropped, Black Lives Matter, I don't get that. Don't That just sounds, it's alienating to, not for me, because I got it, but I could see how people that weren't, trying to learn 
would find me put off by that. Same thing with white privilege. So I was like, can we do the word verbiage used? But right. then I just thought about it and swirled around my head a little bit. And I was like, well, you know, if you're raising money for someone who's sick, it's the same shit. The black community clearly from marijuana laws and from any law, from a lot of laws, from, you know, the, the injustice and the lack of equality on and pretty much top to bottom, every f- program in our society is there. And now it's like, you know, white people were afraid to acknowledge that. And, there were, and a lot of people, especially those poor white people that are not in the inner cities and are not in the cities in Dallas, those folks are poor white people who are pissed off at the world, blaming how the people in Wyoming pissed off at Mexicans. Like a fucking someone from Wyoming never seen a Mexican in their life. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? Why right. you- <laughs> it used to be Mexico back in the 1800s. Right. Wyoming, Mexico. Right. Yeah. This like, what about us? We matter too, you know. What about us? But like, I had a discussion with—I was in Vegas, and a, a white lady arguing me, like she was arguing me down about all lives matter, like literally arguing me down. And we went back and forth, and I just—I just tried to get her to explain to me. I said, "When have white lives not mattered, or when have we not acknowledged that you guys matter?" I said, "Because I can tell you." when black lives weren't even lives. And it's just like, that's all it is. It's not saying nobody else doesn't matter. And I had to really fight with her to get to her to understand this. It's not saying anything. It's saying we need everyone to realize, like, yo, we matter just as much as everybody else. Like, don't just be like, oh, another black guy dies. Oh, oh well. No, like, we matter. Like, we're... (laughs) Hey, we, we real people too. But I think a lot of people just got stuck in the what about us? Like we matter too, and it, white lives and all lives matter. Everybody matters. Like okay, like we understand that. But right now, we talking about black white people. Nobody else is getting killed left and right. You're not seeing it on the news by nobody else. We just right now need you to talk about us. But that goes back to the deflection and the deflection from the issue. You know, the the pretending as racism doesn't exist. You know, no one thinks black lives don't matter. Like, guess the fuck they do. Like, a lot of people believe that. And it was just a fight. Like, that was crazy. Then we got blue lives coming out of no blue lives matter and all types of shit. <laughs> I, mean, I ain't never seen a blue. I ain't, I ain't never seen a blue person in my life. But you know, I guess their lives matter too. <laughs> there's the all lives matter and then that became the trump side the trumpsters became the all lives matter and now now there's no, no, now there's inclusion without exclusion there's that one's going around and if you're not you know Which I, is true. I really do believe i really do believe there needs to be a better job explaining to white people consistently on why at least well i think it's better now but say 10 years ago because it it can be missed by verbiage if you're a, a, especially if you're a white person it doesn't have any real uh you know you've lived a sheltered life you don't have a lot of diversity in your life 
And you're like, well, what the fuck? Don't all lives matter? What the heck is that all about? Why are they get? Why are they special? But it's the same situation. Say a, a country or a state or what have you, they get hit with a hurricane, an earthquake, what have you, and everyone says, let's help. You know, say Miami. Let's help Houston. Let's help. You know, what have you? And right. hashtag that. It's the same same principle. Right. And it, we ain't saying New Jersey doesn't mean anything. It just means, look, they need help right now. And the black community has needed help for a very fucking long time. And I'm telling you right now, and I, I, I was with our old friend Lyle. I'll tell this story. This is one of the first times I was like, okay, this is fucked. It was me, a few of my white cheese, uh, Lyle Cheese, we, we've lovingly called him, was with me and a bunch of my white friends. Cop came in, sent us all home, kept 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 cheese there. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it was the most blatant, what the first one of the most blatant things I've ever seen in front of me. And Jesus fuck, dude. It was just like oh. yeah, some police out there used to be crazy. I used to especially when me and me and him was together. Kyle and Wow, oh man! I remember <laughs> they used to have a ball with that. Oh, we got Kyle and Wow. Oh man, they used to have a ball with that. I will say, I got pulled over a lot more when I was hanging out with you guys. So fucking thanks a lot for that one. But yeah, because it was like even out there, it was just if you left that Edgar Ave area, yeah. you were subject to that. You know what I mean? If you left that area, you were subject to getting stopped or you know, getting harassed or getting bothered. You know, it was just, you knew that. But it was what it was. We made, you know, we had a lot of fun with it. (laughs) (laughs) Cotton Street Park, man. It was one of our places. Yeah. Look there. (laughs) He's just smoking. Then we played basketball at Cotton Street Park. (laughs) Yeah, I play basketball. Dude, remember, I was pretty good, wasn't I? Can I get some, can I get some? Yeah, the jump shot. You had a jump shot. You couldn't dribble. You had a jump shot. You could shoot. Power forward. Power forward. Thomas Tully. Tully. I got the rebounds, too. I was a big fatty, so I was able to get Yeah, you got the rebounds. You had the big body. You had the big wide and the wild arms. So. <laughs> I, remember, I remember my first pickup game. I don't know if you were there. It was Ace. It was by my house. And it was like a different kind of glass. I went up for a layup, and Ace just went down, like, blocking me, but smacked my glasses off. I was like, fuck. Shit, I better man. <laughs> I better man the fuck up, or I'm gonna get killed out here. <laughs> yeah, it gets a little. We got we just play a little rough when Ace and them came around. <laughs> I love that man. That was that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Definitely had a lot of fun. We would egg each other. Oh man, we had, we we could talk forever about that kind of stuff. But you know, that just be what it is. Um, but I don't know. I had an absolute blast today, Kyle. Thank you so much, Kyle Capone. What are you up to you. in terms of? I know you're, you you used to be a podcaster. Uh, what are, what are you up to with yourself? And what are you doing creative? You used to flow back in the day. You still doing that, or what you doing? I'm doing nothing. I'm 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 a square. I'm being a family man. I try to like. I read a lot of books now. You know, I'm I'm back into reading, and I just try to stay. I'll, I'll be on the internet talking shit. Like I tell people. I talk enough shit for Facebook, but I don't take enough pictures or shoot enough videos for Instagram or Snapchat. So <laughs> I try to stay off social media because, like I said, it's a bunch of bullshit. But no, nah, I'm just I'm just chilling, trying to make sure I keep my kids' head right, make sure I keep them informed of things and make them understand, you know, 
keep their sports. I'm chilling, man. I do like people ask me to do their podcast. I do stuff like that. I jump, I'll jump on and talk all day long. Yeah, so we can do this all day. Oh, it's been know? fun, man. <laughs> oh, I, I, the other day I saw you. I just popped on because again, like I, I thought of you and I thought of of cheese for whatever reason. Ran, ran like the day or two before that, and I was like, you know, let me hear what you got going on right now. Because I'm I'm like you. I, I I definitely checked out a little bit of of social media. I try to stay on it to support the shows, but beside that, it's just right. and it's weird because I got to kind of be you know, self-promoting and all into myself. And I was, I battled that most of my life and now I'm trying to be above that, but now I have to be about like that. It's weird. Just to say, guys, because we're moving, you know, on the other side of this pandemic, we're coming out of this and uh, they say we're going, we're going into an arts and cultural renaissance or the roar, a new roaring twenties is coming back. Things will come. You know, we're going to have this digital transformation where there's going to be all these little towers all over buildings and, the internet is going to be like a mesh, you know, and then things we're going to get kind of caught up in this. What, where, where do you really do think we're headed as far of all this, the technology, the 5g, the social consciousness, uh, the, all these things that are, you know, now we're heading into the post pandemic portion of things. Where, where do you really see our society and everything going these next 20 years? To shit. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> how about the, how, well, how about racially speaking? Where, do you think we're heading the right direction or it's going to get worse before it gets better? I think it'll get worse before it gets better. And I think that will just be like it's always been every 10 years. You know, it'll be a consistent cycle. I don't think that will really change much. I think as a, as a society, you know what? I do think it'll change slightly because I think the middle class, it will... Within the next 20 years, there will be no middle class. You either will be broke or you will have some money, period. And I just think we're going to where if you don't have it, you're in trouble. Like if you don't find a way to have some type of wealth, money, you're in trouble. And because... Money is becoming like not even real. You know, it's it's a, it's going to where everything will be a bunch of numbers on a computer. Like it won't be dollar bills; it'll be just a bunch of numbers on a computer. And I think that will <laughs> that's going to be a problem. I think we're with technology. We're moving way too fast. We've been moving way too fast, and I think it's going to be a real problem for anybody especially poor people right now. If you're poor right now, you, you're going to get poor. You know, I, I'm, I'm scared for my kids' future within the next 20 years because I think there'll be some type of like civil unrest within the next 10. And I'm just not sure, you know, how that's going to pan out. But I do believe we'll, we'll be at some type of civil unrest within the next five to ten years, if not in the midst of another civil war.